live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. I appreciate you changed Raheem Mostert's name to Kareem Mostert. No, I said no. This is the Press Box. Tyler, are you still there? With Grady and Bischoff. Those two maroons <laughs> can jump on a boat and sail up Lake Mead, n- never to be seen again. On ESPN Las Vegas. Did you guys see Millsy last night where he thought he was off camera, but then they went back to him? Did you see that part? Yep. That was awesome. Awesome. He's looking like down at a sheet or something, and then someone in his ear must have said, "You're on." Be a professional, Darren Millard. <laughs> Get it together. Unbelievable. Us maroons. Unbelievable. It'd have been like great if he's like doing something like eating a sandwich, or like taking a sip of a drink or something <laughs> like that. And someone in his ear is like, "Do you know you're alive?" And then he like popped up the head and gave the big smile. Scarf down food before you're on. That's what uh, I was doing. That was great. Yeah, you came in. You had a nice breakfast for yourself this morning. <laughs> Listen, Einstein's was a mess this morning. I don't know what's going on there, but they didn't know how to work their own register. Not a good morning. Oh, so you got Einstein's not Chick-fil-A. No, there's no Chick-fil-A. They're actually build, oh, they're building a Chick-fil-A right down Flamingo across the, the uh, 215. Across? Not on the same side as Einstein's? Yeah, no, right on the other side. Oh, on the other side of the freeway. Okay. Yeah, all right, yeah. All right. And okay. uh, they're building one there. Once it's open, I'm getting it delivered like three times a week while we're on the air. Here, they can't come in this place. Why not? They can they can drop it off at the at the reception. That's true. I mean, she they don't come in until the third hour of the show. So you're gonna be in the middle of Bischoff's briefs going. It's, so, gonna, be, it's gonna be a great Bischoff. You know me basketball. Yeah, you'll have some delivered. Of course. Why not? We're All just right. down the road. It'll be great. It's a little close to the one on Sahara. I thought I didn't, but maybe maybe they're just doing so well. They're just going to start. It's not opening anywhere up a close to the one on Sahara. Right, you I pass me? that one every every time I go home. Sahara can't deliver to me. Have you ever had Togos? No. Oh, okay. What is well, that? you didn't also know who John Travolta was. I talked about that mm. on the podcast yesterday. Who is John Travolta? It's whatever. <laughs> Who's this Cotter guy? Welcome back, Cotter. How about Tyler yesterday? Why are he we welcoming? He scored a goal. <laughs> Why are we welcoming him back? Yeah, what do you do? Why is <laughs> he, he came so back special? to school? All right, here we go. The first <laughs> bite. Will Rich Masaccia take a victory lap around oh. Allegiant Stadium this week? <laughs> Great. <laughs> I don't even want it to be. I mean, you're you're obviously talking about him running around. Not, not no, any kind get in of the bus. bus. Let's go. I'd like him to jog around reading his notes as he did it, his post game notes. <laughs> Is it even walks in with. possible to do a lap around the Legion Stadium? It'd be awful tight. <laughs> You're right. With the bus, tight. like Just top some curbs. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. You'd have no to. No big deal. Kansas City, where the Raiders, as you know, much more open spaces <laughs> there in Kansas City. You the mean they easy. have a. Football stadium with parking lots around it. A lot of parking lots. Massive massive parking lot. Massive parking lot, yeah. You can literally show up, park your car on the far side of Arrowhead, and by the time you get to the to the main entrance, you will be drunk from walking through yes. so many different people going, Here's a shot, man. Thanks, buddy. Go Chiefs. It's massive. Yeah, who would have thought? What a great idea that could have been. I could never see Basachi <laughs> do that. Oh, come on. Get the bus ready. <laughs> Beat the Chiefs again? Maybe like a golf cart or something. That'd even be better. It'll be great. So, this division is, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Hopefully, it stays like this for the majority of the season. But you're looking at the Raiders and the Chargers tied for first at 5-3. And and a massive half game behind them are the Broncos and the Chiefs tied for last at 5-4. and So, if the Raiders win this game, they'll move to 6-3. and 
They'll move a game and a half ahead of Kansas City, who would be five and five. Depending on what the Chargers do and the Broncos do would depend on would determine the rest of those division standings there. Raiders would still have a home game, though, with the Chargers, uh, and still have the Broncos to play, who they have already beaten once. If they win this game, should we make them favorites to win the AFC West? At least for a week, right? At least for a week. <laughs> for a week, and then They're we the change favorites it. for a week or until they play the Chargers at home. Yeah, I mean, you just said it about how close it is. It's week to week now. Uh, I'd be more interested if they do, and Kansas City goes 5-5, five and five, and then you're really wondering if Kansas City is going to kind of tumble and tumble out of it. But, yeah, why not make them the favorites if they can beat the Chiefs and go in first? Well, they if the Chargers win, they'd still be tied. But they get them at home. Yeah. So I think they should be favorites if they beat Kansas City. So on the flip side of how important is this week and how can we overreact to it, if they lose this game, is this, we saw it last week, is this step two of the collapse, the collapse that, we've, that seen? we've always seen? And then all of a sudden the the word is going to be, well, Cincinnati's coming off a bye. They'll be better. <laughs> no matter what Dallas looked at Denver, you know, Dallas is a really good team. Thanksgiving, you know, big game in Kansas City, Thanksgiving where Dallas is completely used to playing on that day. Yeah, if they lose, it's going to be like, well, here they go again. But we heard that after last week. 23-16, it's like, oh, here they go again. Yeah. I mean, it is. That is what yeah. they're doing last week. So it's it's a fascinating week in that this division is so tight that simply winning or losing a divisional game can make you, hey, they're the favorites. They can get this done. Or, wow, they're going to finish here last they go in again. this division. Yep. They're going to collapse again. So... Kansas City sitting at five and four at the moment. If they lose this one and fall to five and five, it's man, I don't know what to do with them because even if they're five and five and the Raiders and Chargers both get to six and three, they're still not out of it, right? Like that's no. still, it, it's so we, funny. How, lo- how long are we sitting around waiting for Kansas City can turn it on? How, like, how long are we doing game? that? Maybe, yeah, like they're eight and eight yeah. going into week 17. Like, yeah. I, I get like, cause. I would feel dumb to say the Kansas City Chiefs are dumb or done because Patrick Mahomes exists. And we've right. seen Patrick Mahomes be nothing but awesome in his NFL career. And even though their defense is horrible, it's it's not going to be shocking if the Chiefs rip off like six straight wins and all of a sudden are winning the AFC West by a couple of games. Win the division for six straight games. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be surprising at all. But at the same time, I... How long do we watch this team be awful on defense and lead, or I think they might be second now in turnovers in the NFL, and still believe in them? Because at some point you got to stop. At some point you got to say, "Yeah, it's not happening. They're not turning it around." I just, I just don't know when that is. It's all relative because I think through the first four or five weeks they were on pace to be the worst defense in the history of the NFL. So they've so gotten better. It's all relative. They've gotten better, but a lot of that had to do with they played Jordan Love. So that was maybe a reason that their defense looked better. But the Raiders need to move the ball and score points this week. And I'm not talking about Daniel Carlson, you know, from 35, five straight times. They've 35? Got, geez, that'd be long. Well, for him. He's, <laughs> he's stumbling a little, Daniel Carlson. Hey, he's missed, he missed one. 25. He missed a couple extra points this year. Um, they've got to score this week. and They've got to get in the end zone. And it can't be like last week. You go one of six in the red zone because you're going to lose. If you go one of six in the red zone, I don't care how Mahomes is playing, you're yeah. going to lose the game. Yeah. So you've That's... got to score touchdowns this week. And I th- I think Derek Carr will be a lot better. I don't think he could be worse. Um, well, he could I, be. I, I don't know if he could be against that defense. That's true. That's true. I mean, against Kansas City, know. he can't. He Kansas probably can't be. be. hard to be that Maybe bad. against a different defense later in the season. But yeah. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. So, all right. What do you expect out of the passing game? Because we have seen the, the Raiders in their five wins. Derek Carr has been excellent. 
-hmm. He has thrown the ball down the field. They have completed big plays. They have beaten teams when they've blitzed. Like he has been very good in those five wins in the first two losses of the season, the chargers and uh, the bears, right? Derek Carr got under pressure. We saw some of the old Derek Carr where he throws the checkdowns or he throws it away or he gets happy feet in the pocket, right? He, it was the, all the criticism of Derek Carr. Bosa came out for the Chargers and said, everybody knows if you hit Derek Carr, he crumbles under pressure, right? But we only saw that two games, the five wins. He was good. And then last week happened where it was completely new. He wasn't really, it wasn't happy feet in the pocket. It wasn't throwing the check. They downs really, all made the really bad throws and bad decisions. It was like Derek Carr, who's been an extremely accurate quarterback, even when he's like bad, he's still accurate. Right. Was, Couldn't was, hit as, anybody. was as inaccurate as I've yes. probably ever seen. Yes. I mean, the pick six was way behind Brutal. Hunter Renfro. The miss to Darren Waller in, in the, the end, end zone. zone at the end of the first half was, I mean, Waller's not even covered and you missed him by like 20 yards. I, I think we're most likely to get the Derek Carr from the five wins. I do, too. I think he's going to play well. But I only feel like there's a 60% chance we get that because we've seen, I, like we've seen enough of Derek Carr not being awesome that, yeah, it's possible he's not good again. You'll love this. So this week he was explaining, and, you know, it's the cliche of football, how close you are to a good play or bad play, inches away. And he would he said on the pick, to rent, it was intended for Renfro, and then the, the touchdown that he missed to Waller, he put up his hands only about four to six inches apart about how much he missed it. I'm like, yeah. Hey, Not the yeah. one to Waller. No, I th- exactly. Like Jared's now making a sign of a goalpost. Um, yeah, it wasn't. The, the one to Waller was way over his head, and he was yeah. wide open. And then the one to Renfro, you can't really tell because the guy just jumps the route and, like, intercepts it and takes it back. So I don't know if he was six inches away or six feet away. It was just a terrible throw. Yeah, it was. He... That one was more he threw it late, I think, in the yeah, route. The guy than, just jumped the route, yeah. Than is being super inaccurate. But he still I mean still threw it behind Renfro. I mean, you can still make that throw late and put it too far out in front of the or, or it's incomplete. Right. So throwing it behind a guy on a on an out route to the sideline is almost always going to be bad. And then I mean, hell, his other interception on the deep ball to Zay Jones, he did I don't know if he didn't see the safety or what, but right. I mean, Zay Jones beat the corner. Yes, Zay Jones a, was with open. A double move. Zay Jones was open, but uh, Carr must have not seen the safety or something because the safety jumped that fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Carr put too much air under it. Like if Carr was going to complete that with the safety coming over, he was going to have to zip it in yes. there, and he, he he floated it, he lofted it, and it gave the safety plenty of time to get there. But it's. I think we're going to get a good Derek Carr. I don't believe in Kansas City's defense, and most of the time we've seen a Derek Carr. But there, there is that possibility, a 30%, 40% chance that Carr's not good and the Raiders have a hard time moving the ball and scoring points. Or I mean, how, they didn't even really struggle to move the ball against the Giants. They just struggled to finish. So we saw one snap of Marcus Mariota. Short yardage situation. They ran the he option, got, got the first down. This is a team that might not might be unfair to categorize this since it was John Gruden, but they've been very bad in short yardage the last couple of years, and they've been even worse in the red zone the last couple of years. And then last game, like you said, one of six, they settled for a whole bunch of field goals in the red zone. Do we see more Marcus Mariota in either third and ones and twos or inside the 10-yard line get Marcus Mariota? Well, game? I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd run him every time, but he's a great decoy, right? Like yeah. Deshaun Jackson says he is because if he goes in and you saw last week, like, well, this guy's running. Yeah. I mean, he's the, the only reason he's in the game. Use him as a decoy, and you'll probably pick up third and one or third and two because they'll just be so worried about him. So in the red zone, this, this is the thing that Marcus Mariota offers that Derek Carr doesn't. Feet. In the red zone, even if you call a pass play, 
Mariota can score with his legs. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr's done that like you know, twice in his career, something like that. Like he hurt himself the last year when he tried to do it. He fumbled the one time reaching for the pylon. Like Derek Carr's not going to run in many touchdowns on a design pass play. Mariota last year when Mariota played against the Chargers, he scored on a he scored on a scramble inside the ten yard line or something like that. That's what he offers is that hey, you can call a pass play. Defense defends it well. They take away Waller and Renfro's quadruple move doesn't work right. Derek Carr doesn't really have a, a, an emergency plan, right? His emergency plan is to throw the ball away. Mariota can scramble and run it in for a touchdown. Now, you get inside the five-yard line, you bring in Mariota. Are you calling a pass play? Probably not. Probably not. But I think you've got to at least put him in the game. He's got to at least be in there at some point because what we've I think we've seen enough over two and a half seasons that whatever it is about this offense, whether it's car-related, the offensive line-related, whatever, they struggle in short yardage and red zone situations, and they've got a guy that conceivably can break them out and help them out. Heck, I would that. throw with them. Why I would not? do I would yeah. do something that they don't believe you're going to do, whether right. it's play action to a tight end, you know, get him outside because then you're worried about him scrambling, get someone open. I I would do a lot of things that they're not expecting from him, but I agree with you that I would put him in the game because yeah. because here's the thing, Mariota's it's not like you're Fun. running you're not you're not running a wildcat snap no. to Kenyon Drake. He's a quarterback. Like he wasn't necessarily great with the Titans. But he's a quarterback. He he can throw the ball down the field. So I I think you absolutely have to do more of that, especially like if they're, for, let, let's say, first drive of the game, they move it down the field, and then they get inside the five-yard line and can't score again and kick a field goal. Next time they get in the red zone, Mariota's got to be in the game. Yes. like Because even though the Chiefs have been bad, you're not beating this team 9-7 to seven with three field goals. Like, Real quick, are you a believer in Andre James? You've seen his numbers lately. Oh. The whole offensive line. That was their best yeah. game of the year last week. Yeah. Or like Josh Jacobs actually had running lanes. Josh Absolutely. Jacobs actually got four or five yards down the field before he was touched, before he had to make a guy miss. That was they're better. Incredible run blocking. And I mean the pass blocking was fine, which is it's been worse than fine, I guess, the entire year. So am I a believer? No. They're still not a good offensive line, but are they better? Yeah. Can they be better than the thirty second best offensive line in football? Probably. I mean, it might be twenty eighth, but it's a big improvement from where they were. Is this the longest calf injury we know in oh. uh, football history? I thought he was. I thought Incognito was coming back after the bye. Oh, he's going to be back in week two. Then it was like three more yeah. weeks. Then, then it was after, after the, bye. the bye. And what did Bisaccia say yesterday? He's not close. No, he's somebody's not close. closer than him. Yes. Yeah, he's not playing. Anymore. No, he's not playing. <laughs> coming up next. How much blame does Kevin Kruger deserve for UNLV's bad offensive start? Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Back out top to Williams. Fakes the three. Comes in the lane. Gets absolutely hammered and no call. Now they call an offensive foul? Are you kidding me? That was that was five seconds after the play took place and both players jumped in the air. Kevin Kruger looking at the official saying, how can you make that call? Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. UNLV struggled offensively despite beating Gardner-Webb. Uh, didn't shoot well from three, two of 25. Didn't create a whole lot of layups either, but they did shoot a lot of free throws. Interesting quote, though, I thought from Kevin Kruger, who said after the game, offensively, we'll take this one as a staff because we didn't maybe put as much emphasis on the offensive side of the ball until a little more recently because we really thought we could make an imprint with this team defensively. So 
we chalking this one up to the coaching staff didn't put in enough offensive work in yeah. practice leading up to the first game of the season? Chalk it up till I see a few more games. Maybe put more defensive uh, intensity in because he knew they had to be a lot better defensively. I just can't go off one game and make any kind of determination on how good they are, not with this many good players. So we'll see against Cal. Um, weird scores, man. Weird scores around the country. You see Riverside, UC Riverside goes and beats Arizona State. Oh. I mean, there's just strange scores the first week. More than half court, three quarters. Yeah, court. I mean, just but they win the game and just you know we'll see about Cal. Uh, now, if they come out against Cal and again shoot two of twenty five and threes, maybe you're like, all right, you should have had more <laughs> emphasis on on offense. But I don't think they're going to do that. Um, well, you, you were there. I mean, were they you know exponentially better defensively? Because if they were, then maybe that's what he's saying. No, I mean they were. They're the talent. The uh, Physical attributes of the players are significantly better than last year. This team is more athletic than it was mm -hmm. last season. This team is taller and longer than it was last season. So they're better defensively because of that. I did not think they played an extremely well. Uh, I did not think they played extremely well on the defensive end. Like I, didn't, I wasn't overly impressed with how they played. Uh, they gave up a lot of layups. They gave up a lot of layups. They had to block a lot of shots. Now, Gardner-Webb didn't make a lot of those layups, but they still got to the rim on a fairly regular basis. So I wasn't overly impressed with how they played defensively, but relative to what we've seen the last couple of years, yeah, it, it was better, but I think that's more about the type of players that UNLV recruited, not so much about anything they coached up into them or had some great defensive scheme that shut down Gardner-Webb because they, they didn't. They gave up. I mean, Gar I bet Gardner-Webb goes back when they watch that. They think they got a lot of good shots. Like mm -hmm. Gardner-Webb's coaches probably think, yeah, these are solid shots. We just... Couldn't finish at the rim over Royce Ham. Or Royce I mean, Ham just blocked shots. And Gardner-Webb was 3 of 20 from 3 as well. Right. Like, they sucked shooting as well. So, I think Gardner-Webb's probably not too discouraged by what they did offensively, other than they missed almost everything they put up. So, yeah, it, it's how good are they defensively? I think it, it, there's going to have a lot of moments where they're simply trying to just out-tough, out-athletic other teams, right? Where it's just, Hey, we're bigger, stronger, faster, and we're going to make a play because of that. Not because of anything that we have in our system or any sort of strategy. We're just longer than you. So we get that loose ball. I wonder if that's a sense of him trying to match some of the better teams in the mountain West with those kind of players. Probably. Cause I mean, Otzelberger went the exact opposite direction right. last year. That team was not athletic. At no, all. that was trying to go all in on skill and IQ, I guess. And even they still weren't even that skilled. That so, didn't play with the top teams. In the no, the Nevada's, so, the San Diego yeah. States. Those are long athletic teams. Yeah. And so there, there's probably a good chance they play a lot of games this year against like, say a San Diego state where it's ugly and it's like 19 to 17 at halftime. And right. we're looking around saying, what the hell did we just watch? Right. But they, they've got a good chance to be in a lot of those games because they should, they should be pretty good defensively this year. I don't know that this team's going to be, you know, top of the Mountain West, top two in the conference in terms of de uh, defensive efficiency, but they should be solid. One other thing Kevin Kruger's doing, he played nine guys in the season opener, and that was with two guys who are potentially rotation players not uh, dressed. Victor Ewalker hurt and Jordan McCabe sitting out one game suspension. Um, those two guys are presumably in the rotation when they come back. Maybe David Milwaukee or somebody else goes out of the rotation, but there's a chance that Kevin Kruger on Saturday plays 10 guys. He played nine in the opener. Bryce Hamilton played the most at 34. David Milwaukee played 10. Um, what do you make of a big rotation first well, um, game of the season? 
I'm fine with it the first game of the season. I'm fine with the first several games of the season to see what you have, especially with this many new players. I don't know, even know if Kevin Kruger knows what he has yet with a lot of these players. Obviously, the whole cliche is you get to conference play, your, your rotation's eight. At the most, nine some nights, depending on fouls. So I'm okay with it right now. Uh, I guess he said, is this after the game? He says he wants more pressure defense. So if you're wanting more pressure defense, you want fresher guys in there? He wants to be able to sub in five guys at a time. He subbed in four guys at a time in the first game, but without Ewalker and McCabe, and McCabe. He, he only had nine guys that he trusted to play. He wants to sub in five guys at a time. He wants there to be moments, maybe the entire game, but at least moments where they have extremely high pressure defense. He wants his guys playing as hard as they can for a certain amount of minutes, for a three minute stretch or whatever, and then sub them out. I hate that. I think that is a terrible idea because the only way that works is if you're, if you have 10 players that are all basically the same skill level, right? That's not going to be the case. You want Bryce Hamilton on the floor for 35 minutes mm-hmm. a night. You want, after that game, Royce Ham, Ham on the on floor, floor for, 30 plus. for 35 minutes a night. I assume Michael Nuga is going to be in that conversation as well. Donovan Williams could be there. Somebody else could be like, so could McCabe. Right. We're going to have players on this team that are clearly better than They're going to be a group of three or four guys that are clearly better than the rest of the roster. And if your mindset is, well, play really hard for four minutes and then we'll sub you out and let somebody else play really hard for four minutes, you're going to end up with your best players not playing as many minutes. Royce Ham's a good example. He played 28 minutes in that game, despite being far and away the best player on the floor for UNLV. No doubt about it, Royce Ham was the best player for UNLV in that game. He played 28 minutes in a close game. It's not like they pulled him out and he he rested the last five. It was a close game. That is not the best way to optimize your I, roster. I don't know if he keeps that up, though. Nobody, I don't know almost nobody does. Up. But he's uh, no. he's talking like that's what he wants. I mean, it's not to the do. Kentucky of the nineties yeah. where you're just rolling in 10, yeah. 10 NBA players. I would be shocked if he is if he does keep that up because again, we're gonna get into games and hell, it might happen Saturday where you're like Bryce Hamilton can't come off the floor, right? Where Royce Ham can't come off the floor. I mean, hell, Royce Ham probably shouldn't have come off the floor in that game against Gardner Webb. Like, that's going to happen a lot. And if the thought is, well, play high pressure, get some steals, we'll sub you out in four minutes, you're now restricting the minutes of your best players and you're playing with lesser well, guys out there. And I think he'll really realize that he can't do that against the better teams. Yes. he's not. You do that against Michigan, you could be, you know, you could lose by 20. <laughs> I, hope I, mean, he does. I hope he does it against Michigan. I mean, that wouldn't be smart. <laughs> Here's the thing. You do that against Michigan, there's a chance you start the game up like 12-2. to 2. Like, there's a chance you get a couple of early right. turnovers. You've got a 10-point lead. But you keep doing it. You're probably getting torched eventually. Yes. But I hope he comes out doing it against Michigan. Because there's a chance you rattle them, and it's like all of a sudden you're up 10, and Michigan's looking around saying, well, what, we can't break a press? What the hell's wrong with us? So I hope he comes out and does it against Michigan. But, because I'll make this argument. When you play Michigan, it probably doesn't matter if Bryce Hamilton's out there or if Josh Baker's out there. Everybody on Michigan's probably better than both of those guys. So... In that game, they are all the same. Just play them as, high, as hard as you can for four minutes. But when you're playing, you know, teams in the Mountain West, Bryce Hamilton's going to make a difference, at least more of a difference than Josh Baker or Martin right. Coleman or whoever is going to be in there instead would. So I hate the big rotation. It's not, it's fine it doing sticks, it now because whatever, we need to see right. who these guys are and Kruger probably does too. But the idea that that's going to be how they play the whole year I doubt it happens, and I think it would be dumb if it did. If we look down and Bryce Hamilton's like, oh, he played 29 minutes, of, that's that's bad yeah. coaching. Like, unless he was in foul trouble. That's just 
That's not good coaching if Hamilton played 29 minutes in a game. Coming up next, we talk to Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Pass is caught by one of the linemen. And he came up short. Robert Hunt. And they're going to throw a flag back at the six now at the end of this. He's across the goal line, and then he lands on his head. Yeah, but he's not eligible, though. That's the problem. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Uh, Ben, ineligible receiver downfield is now the worst rule in football after robbing us of that (laughs) touchdown, right? I mean, it has to be, right? That was uh, an incredible play, (laughs) incredible performance, but unfortunately, yeah, some of the best plays haven't stood, and I think that one definitely should have this year. I just love that he caught it and was like, oh, I'm absolutely scoring. Like, he he knows he can't catch that pass, but he thought this is my time to shine, even if it's illegal. Yep, and he took advantage of it, right? I mean, we're all still talking about it. It was a great play by him. I do love, you know, the fat man touchdown. I think it's the greatest, you know, play in football. So I wish I could see a little bit more of it on a weekly basis. That's for sure. You tweeted out yesterday during the game that it would have been a great time for uh, sports books to have a prop up for total punts in a game. Uh, what other ridiculous props do you want to see for just random primetime <laughs> games like that? Oh, man, I have a whole book that I could probably list off. There are so many, you know, still opportunities with, you know, the sports betting market continuing to develop. So um, there are way too many things that could come to mind that I would really like. I There used to be some where you could, um, you know, predict out or bet on, like, the length and field position of punts. I really missed some of those opportunities because they actually had some decent mispriced spots. Uh, way back in the day, and I haven't found any of those markets in quite some time. But there are a number of untapped uh, in-game betting opportunities that I think we're only going to see continue to grow here as sports betting kind of grows outside of just Las Vegas, right? But I'm definitely excited for the opportunities that are going to be at the forefront of the sports betting industry in general. Ben, I want to ask you about Las Vegas, Kansas City here, uh, laying two and a half, little money towards the Raiders. But one first question to Sean Jackson, how do you think he fits in? Does he make any kind of difference? And then what do you see in the game? Because it's, uh, it seems like we're all waiting around for Kansas City to be Kansas City, and we really haven't seen it that much this year. Yeah, definitely. Kansas City is a really tough team to buy into. You know, I've, they're a team that I definitely backed to start the season. I've definitely backed off of that. Uh, they just don't look right, and it's, it's really hard for, you know, like some of the model-based betting approaches to take that into account. I do think there's some off-the-field lingering issues left over from the Super Bowl last year. Things with A&D regions don't seem to be right, and those are factors that are just really difficult to model and even incorporate into a model. So it's just a team that I'm not too excited to, you know, back right now. And you can say maybe some similar things with Las Vegas, their team that's still kind of needing to find a little bit of a new offensive identity. They obviously had that to start the season. I do think Deshaun Jackson slots in well as that type of player that can take the top off the defense. If he's not even getting those, you know, deep downfield targets, he's at least opening things up underneath for Hunter Renfro. But I would still like to see like a guy like Brian Edwards emerge a little bit, be a little bit more of a consistent threat downfield. I think that's the guy that they really need to step up if they kind of want to move forward in this offense, get into that top 10, top five offense ranking. So I don't, I think, you know, the correct play is probably uh, the Chiefs at minus two and a half. I would think that, you know, the spread needs to probably be 
closer to a field goal differential before I'd really want to get involved with Las Vegas Raiders, but it's definitely a spot to keep your eye on in-game, that's for sure. On the idea that models might still like Kansas City a lot, even though they have not looked good uh, for pretty much the entire season, what would you want to like see in a game to make you say, okay, we're, we're back on the, the models are right, Kansas City is good? Yeah, definitely. I want to see, you know, better and more efficient play calling stuff that we saw last year. Basically, Andy Reid's kind of fallen out of like, you know, top 10, top 15, even ranking and, uh, and how we kind of evaluate play calling performance. I would like to see them get back into that thing. So it's been so much of these kind of gimmicky plays, really short behind the line of scrimmage type throws, or it's a deep shot. And I think they need to be a little bit more consistent attacking the middle of the field and that intermediate throw area with Travis Kelsey, who has also been non-existent. So I would not just, I would like to see some more sustained offensive drives. I don't even mind, you know, some of the bigger turnover plays that they've had so far, but I do think that, you know, some consistent EPA based successful drives where they can kind of get Travis Kelsey involved uh, and kind of take advantage of that intermediate route and just have, Andy Reid look like vintage Andy Reid is kind of what I need to see uh, in order to be really comfortable backing them against the spread. Where is Rich Passaccia in that coaching play calling uh, uh, metric that you said Andy Reid's in yeah. the 10 to 15 range? So he, yeah, he's, he's actually been moving pretty well. We don't have, you know, we don't have as much history yeah. on him to evaluate him, but he is kind of sitting in that like 10 to 12 spot area basically. Um, but, you know, he's a little bit more volatile because, you know, we just don't have as much data and information on him from his, in, in his time with Las Vegas. Obviously, he's called plays at a number of different spots, uh, Jacksonville, among other areas. So I do think we have the history based on him, but not necessarily as much in this particular offense. But I do think he has shown uh, the ability to do it. Now it's a question of how do they kind of fill in that gaps that happened with, you know, Henry Ruggs and all those other situations. And I do think Sean Jackson fitting into that role uh, is definitely going to help them continue on down the path that they need to go. Are you a big believer that OBJ and Deshaun Jackson can really be decoys and that they really believe that? And when they say it, you you know, that they're telling the truth. I mean, I would say more so for Deshaun Jackson than, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. I don't think Beckham's necessarily that guy anymore. I do still think, you know, with even the, even given the uses that we saw with Deshaun Jackson for the Rams this year, he does still um, require the attention of the defense, right? He can still get behind guys. He does still have that explosive playability. I don't think Odell Beckham has that, but I do think you have to be cognizant of what Sean Jackson is doing when he's on the football field. And he's going to have a much higher percentage of routes run now that he's, you know, in Las Vegas than what he had previously with Los Angeles Rams. So I think his utilization kind of fits that mold. He's definitely somebody that uh, teams need to be aware of. And if they need to be aware of them, it definitely does open up things for other players underneath, like Hunter Renfro, like Darren Waller, those sorts of things. So I definitely think it helps uh, the Raiders' offense overall more so than it would the Rams getting Odell Beckham Jr. Who in the world is good in the AFC? (laughs) (laughs) That is the question we're all trying to answer. I mean, the Titans have looked the part, right? I think they've exceeded expectations. One of the most surprising teams uh, in the NFL so far. But, you know, the, the Derrick Henry question marks, are still lingering, right? Can Ryan Tannehill be that guy in an efficient passing offense to carry the work uh, and carry the load? We have seen it through a couple games, but I still think that is a question that needs to be answered. So uh, not too many teams, to be honest with you. It's kind of unfortunate. I think going into the season, you expected the AFC to have a number of high-quality teams, the Bills, Chiefs, even some of these, you know, the Chargers and those sorts of teams. But I think it's really uh, the Titans, and then there's just a lot of question marks. I kind of like the Chargers still. Um, obviously, Brandon Staley is making you know all the right decisions from the analytical standpoint. That's helping his team win football games. 
And that's kind of what we want to see. So I definitely buy into them a little bit. But other than that, uh, it's a lot of show me first before I'm going to get fooled by backing you again right now in the AFC. Uh, how much does Cam Newton change the Panthers for you? <laughs> I, um, I'm kind of a Philip Walker fan. I kind of want to see him get his <laughs> opportunity. I think, I think Walker um, makes the right aggressive plays when he's looking and he has his eyes downfield. I think Cam Newton, when he kind of escapes the pocket, he's only looking to run. So I'm looking for that guy that still has his eyes downfield. I think Philip Walker brings that added element uh, to the Panthers. Um, and the Sam Darnold thing is just kind of a disaster. So I don't know. We'll see this week and how Philip Walker plays. If he does play well, I think he could hold off uh, Cam Newton. But I, it does it does seem like they brought in Cam to potentially play. But I still think the Panthers are uh, kind of a disaster. Matt Rule just hasn't necessarily been uh, the coaching answer that they've needed so far here in 2021. All right, personal question here. What in the world happened? Now, Cam wasn't any good. But to have that kind of performance against the Broncos, now they're coming home and laying, they're at home laying nine and a half against the Falcons. What happened to the Cowboys? Right, yeah. <laughs> Dak, I, and I don't know if it was, you know, maybe he was a little bit more injured or something, but it's just a spot where they did not get right offensively to start the game. Dever kind of jumped all over it. Uh, they didn't really get a big play defensively, which is kind of how they relied on and played defensively this year. They did have a pick toward the end of the half that call, got called back because of a flag, but uh, they never really got any of those big plays offensively or defensively. I think it was more of a one-week outlier um, you know, from a betting perspective, it's kind of difficult for us to say, you know, sometimes teams, players don't necessarily have the greatest game. I'm chalking it up to that. I do think that they are um, going to probably take care of business here against Atlanta. Nine points is a lot to lay. Um, and I've kind of been back in the Falcons, but I do think that uh, Dallas is in a get right spot here. And I'm, I'm more willing to write off last week's performance as kind of an outlier uh, than anything indicative of them. So I definitely think they're relevant in the NFC in general, they're obviously going to win the NFC, um, you know, the NFC East, and they could, you know, be one of those teams that probably competes the conference championship as well. Is there a higher variance uh, defensive player than Trayvon Diggs? No, there's there's not one to be honest with you. It is, I mean, it's, he's he is fun to watch uh, for for a lot of different reasons. Yes, there's uh, not one in the league that is as high variance as him right now, which is, uh, you know, it's fun to watch. I'll say that much. So. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Ben. Yep. Thank you, guys. Have a great show. You too. Uh, Diggs, by the way, who leads the NFL in interceptions, uh, his Pro Football Focus grade is a 51 so far this year. Like, he either, it's either he's picking it off or he's giving up a right. touchdown. He's giving up a touchdown. <laughs> it's one of the two. All right. We got $500 to give away. Down the Loan Center, Friday Football Frenzy. We have had four straight losing weeks. For our winners or potential winners. So we got 500 bucks to give away. We're going to give you three NFL games. All you're going to need to do is pick the winner of each of those three games. If you do that, $500 thanks to Dollar Loan Center. 702-364-1100 is the number. 702-364-1100. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia. Come see a Kia on West Sahara. Here we go. $500 on the line. Thanks to Dollar Loan Center's Friday football frenzy. Dollar Loan Center offering signature loans up to $5,000. Just stop by one of their 31 Las Vegas locations. We got Jason Jason, you just got to pick the winner of these three games. No point spread involved, just the winner. If you get all three, 
you will be the winner of $500. Your first game, Jason, is Saints at Titans. I'm going to go with Titans. All right. So we got the Titans in for the first game. Number two is Seahawks at Packers. Can I have a pick with Aaron Rodgers or without Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> uh, sure. We'll let it happen. <laughs> Boy, we're really I trying think, to give this money away. Yeah, I, I, I think the Packers are going to win. Hopefully, if Rodgers comes back. All right. I'll, I'll give it to you. If, if Rodgers doesn't play, you can have the Seahawks if you want them. Absolutely. 100%. All right. All right. Now, here's the thing. If, if Rodgers doesn't play and the Packers still win, you lose. Fair. Okay. Fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, last game, Chiefs at Raiders. Let me go with the Chiefs. All right. So, Titans, Packers, Chiefs, uh, oh, potentially Packers. Seahawks. Pastors. If Packers those, is the asterisk. If those three win, uh, you'll take home 500 bucks, Jason. If not, that'll all roll over to next week. Uh, good luck, Jason. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. So, Best of luck to you, Jason. They're uh, 500 bucks. Uh, we've only had one winner this year. Julio won $500 back in week five. Um, our last four weeks, there have only been two correctly picked games out of the 12. Two Without and 10. the spread, that's Without impossible. Without the spread, two and 10. That's impossible. Are our listeners in the last four weeks. My goodness. It's impossible, <laughs> right? They should be. I mean, I tend to give them the games with, you know, three-point well, spreads Well, yeah, we're giving them like close that. games. We're not giving them, like, Dallas-Atlanta. But it should be close to 50 It should be better than two. Should be Let's close be to 50-50. Should be much better than two out of ten. Should be, you know, six and six. Maybe five and seven. So two if, the, if Rodgers play, he has to take the Packers. Yep. And if Rodgers does not, he, he gets has the to take the Seahawks. Yep. So and Jordan Love could just screw this guy out of $500. What, if he, if he well, plays and plays well? Yeah. That would be funny. But, would, yeah. yeah. So there is a uh, God, that would be so good if Jordan, Jordan Love just comes out and looks just incredible. Just incredible. And then it's like. Uh, Aaron, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe stay quarantined for another couple days. I mean, that's what I was hoping was going to happen last week. That Jordan that he played was, was going to look awesome, and he just looked and awful. And the Packers were going to look around and say, "Well, he looked like he didn't know what a football right. was." Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very good. He came like, off that field and said, "This isn't UNLV." Like on very, the Facebook game, it very much made you think that the Packers are going to have to find it. Like Jordan Love's going to not even be on the team next year. Whether or not Aaron Rodgers is there or not, that Jordan Love's just, eh, what are, we, what are we doing with this guy? They're sitting around letting him wait for two years to do that against Kansas City of all teams? What an amazing story if that happened and Rodgers didn't come back and it was like, well, Jordan, I know you waited for a long time, but you're no good either. I so. mean, I would fire my GM. You spent a first-round yeah, pick on, on him. on him. Jared, if we're firing GMs for wasting first-round picks, there's not many GMs left. Okay, fair enough. I mean, well... I mean, he's still to, eligible to, to play in the NFL. <laughs> have to look locally. <laughs> yeah, he's still able to play in this league. I'm just saying that there's a certain point where it's you didn't need a quarterback. You took a quarterback. And you took a bad quarterback. Yeah. I, you I'm, took a day two quarterback in the first round. Listen, I'd much rather have my GM whiff on a quarterback than what most of them do. What, whiff on a guard? The Raiders took a tackle who was projected for the next day and moved him to guard four games into the season, and that's hey. like their second-best first-round pick in the hey. last five years. They picked a cornerback who was projected at day three. Right? <laughs> Alex Leatherwood is not the worst first-round pick the Raiders have made, and it wasn't a good first-round pick. Hell, the Titans' first-round pick from 2020 played like two games. He got arrested more than he played before they cut him. Where's the... 
Is Furl still on the team? Yeah, he plays like okay. not much. Two snaps. A yeah, game. he doesn't play very much. You know, when like Ngakwe gets a little tired yeah. or something, Furl might check in for a snap. Yeah. So aren't they, they're like injured at defensive tackle and he's not even getting looks there. Like it's like who is it? Like Darius Phylon is like, the, yeah, next man yeah, up. The guy who the guy who literally threatened to kill a stripper in Arizona is getting more looks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's another Furl. one where yeah we're <laughs> probably not going to pick up the option. Yeah. All I'm trying to say, the Jordan Love pick, not a good pick. You could have done a lot worse. They could have done significantly <laughs> yes. worse than Jordan Love. So if we're firing GMs for that, we got no GMs left in the NFL. Like there's none. We whatsoever. need to call. What we need to do is we need to call one of the many many Packers owners and get their opinions <laughs> on uh, on their GM situation. I think one of us needs to buy a share in the Packers so we can. We'll take we some of your Packers horse owner. and chicken money and buy some. Uh, that's true. Go in and get some. That's true. I can probably buy a couple of shares. I mean, my horse and chicken. Jared money. asked me for three dollars in the break. I said, you know, you can have my last dollar if I ever had if I ever had cash in my wallet. I, you know, that's the one of those things that didn't need to be shared on the air. <laughs> That I'm begging for three dollars. I didn't say beg. I, you know, you've got some important stuff going on, and I wish I could have done it for you. But cash. I mean, you looked at you looked in my direction. I said, "Have you have you met me?" Three bucks. Well, the last time we asked how much was in people's wallets, you had two. You did. <laughs> I did you have two dollars cash in your wallet the last They're time. They're all like wadded up. Jared was trying to piece it together. Two from Ed, <laughs> one from the receptionist. In a couple hours, yeah, we're good to go. Somebody's got like four nickels in their pocket. When's the last time you used change? Uh, like three days ago to buy gas. Oh, boy. Oh, Jared. Oh, it's tough. Ed, when's the last time you used change? You don't even use dollar bills. No. Physical no. coins? No chance. What a nightmare those are. I think are. there's pennies in my car. I got some, too, but I'm never going to use no, them. I'm ne- I'll never use them. Dibs.